Today's episode of Cinema Gush is brought to you by the trope, Adolf Hitlerius. Not many people get a trope all to themselves. Then again, not many people are Adolf Hitler. And let's all thank God for that. Now the people at Adolf Hitlerius understand that Hitler's actions were no laughing matter. What he did was heinous, and it's important not to minimize that. That said, the people at Adolf Hitlerius are experts in minimizing the man himself. Because that stupid, angry, hysterical, bitter little man has earned it. Adolf Hitlerius. Making light of an evil dude so that we never, ever, ever fall back into his way of thinking ever again. Welcome back, guys, to Cinema Gush. Today we are joined with a very special guest. We are joined by Matthew Okapal, one of my dear friends, currently working through his through law school, right? To get your, uh, you said JD? Yep, uh, JD candidate 2023. Nice. Excellent. Well, we are thrilled to have you. Thank you for joining us. Not a problem. Yeah, Matt's here to talk about a very special movie that a lot of you may or may not have missed, uh, especially because it came right off the heels of the wonderful Thor Ragnarok with uh, Taika Waititi's Jojo Rabbit. So if you would please, Matt, just tell us why you love this movie. The first question I love to ask, though, is how did you first see this film? Okay, well, I kind of want to back up a little bit before that because my introduction to this movie was actually well before it was made. Uh, One of my friends um, is kind of a movie buff, and we used to do this thing, hasn't done it in a while, but he would find movie scripts for movies that are in progress or hadn't been made or whatnot. You're singing Nick's song. Yes, you are. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And we would just have these wonderful nights where we'd all get together and drink too much and... uh, um, just read through the script. We would all just pick parts, move along as as we saw fit, do funny voices and whatnot. And the premise of this movie was just too much to pass up for the that kind of a night. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have that's before it was made. That was before it was made. It was still a work in progress. I'm not 100 percent sure if the script we were working off was like the final version or anything, uh, but there was definitely a good gap there between when we had that night and when it was made. So it was uh, just, just, a, just a lovely evening because obviously the premise is uh, hilarious. A uh, little boy whose imaginary friend is Hitler. Um, <laughs> but the movie is uh, also astonishingly heartfelt, which uh, uh, was kind of powerful to go through in that scenario when we were all kind of drunk and go <laughs> hamming up the voices and suddenly everything got serious. Um, but it was just overall, like, I could tell from the beginning that it was going to be one of my favorite movies. Uh, you know, if if the movie ended up being anywhere near as good as the script that we read through, so... Oh, yeah. Awesome, man. Yeah. And just for the record, anybody listening right now, this is a full spoiler episode. There is a lot that could be spoiled with this film. So stop now and watch it. It was free for me on demand. It's free on HBO Max right now. So watch it and then come right back. It's very good. Yeah. And I want to, at some point, we got to talk about the use of tone of serious and comedy, but we'll get to that. Mm -hmm. First, just tell me you're about so you read it you saw the movie did you see it in theaters uh no i saw it uh, when it um i i found it online i think i got it on amazon or something like that i did miss it in theaters 
Actually, I don't think it. Okay. I don't think, as far as I know, I don't think it came to Helena. It might not. So. We being in this tiny little town, yeah. that we are. But yeah. anyways, gosh, tell 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 me your thoughts on this movie. I want to know what you think. Gosh, okay. So obviously, the premise: you have a a kid who's in Nazi Germany. He's in the Hitler Youth, and he uh, he's he's kind of an outsider, um, even though he's absolutely trying his hardest to be the best German boy he can be to the extent of course that he has an imaginary uh life with uh his Fuhrer, um Adolf Hitler. <laughs> uh who you basically get to see through the lens of this little German boy who has been raised on propaganda but who still deep down of course has a a a, a a, a good view of the world. Um, mm -hmm. And he has, you know, it's, it's looking at the Fuhrer through the eyes of a 10 year old boy. Uh, basically taking all the propaganda that he's been raised with and filling in the blanks uh, with his uh, perception of what he is supposed to be uh, as a German. The movie opens up with Hitler asking him, um, your uh <laughs> what is your soul lion's soul <laughs> german soul he's like he's uh working him up and he's a a a father figure for this child who has uh at least currently seems to have lost his father to the war so i i mean what a premise though right out of the gate mm -hmm. i just i I love this notion that right out of the gate you got you got Hitler talking to this kid and giving him a pep talk about Soul of Lion. Mm -hmm. My kids, I watch this with my kids because I'm a masochist. <laughs> Snake mind, wolf body, panther courage. They thought that was hysterical. There it is. There it is. <laughs> it was a good conversation. We had a lot of. Good, we'll talk more about that later. Yeah. But yeah, no, I just I love that right out of the gate we've got this just hell of a conceit. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> and Taika with Titi. Mm -hmm. Does just the best damn Hitler yeah. ever. Oh, he's so good. And and one of the things that one of the recurring elements that keeps coming up, of course, is everybody says Heil Hitler all the time. You you've got this legitimately pretty modern offensive phrase that is put through this lens of innocence and yeah. just casuality that everyone in society. It's just like saying hello, Heil Hitler, Heil Hitler. Well, they um, do it so often, they actually almost render it absurd. Exactly. And I think that was on purpose. They do it. There's <laughs> the one scene where they do it like 30 times in a row. No joke. Right. <laughs> four different characters have to heil Hitler to every single, every single one in the room. Yeah. So four times four. And then more yeah, people man. walk into the room. Mm -hmm. uh, Nick, this is your first time seeing it, right? Yes, yes. This was I had heard about this script when it came out on the blacklist back in 2012. And I... Really did want to see when it come out, when it came out, and I just I did not find the time. I got it from Redbox as soon as Brendan told me this is the one you wanted to do, and really genuinely enjoyed it. Just from front to back, I thought it was so funny. And you know what? It's not just he didn't just do a good Adolf Hitler. He did a good ten year old's perception mm -hmm. of what an Adolf Hitler would of be Adolf like, Hitler. and that's he kind of how do I put this? Like there's a moment when they grab when he grabs the grenade. And they're jumping over everybody, and he does this kind of like Mario, Super Mario pose, but it's more played off like he's Bugs Bunny. So it's like the most cartoony version of Adolf I've seen, I probably ever, you know? Mm -hmm. So <laughs> with little moments like that and, and the, the fresh mix of 
great comedy and then extreme seriousness. Like the the first moment, at least that I could really catch it, was um, with Scarlett Johansson when they're walking and talking and laughing. Then she kind of stops and they're looking at all the people hanging. Like all of a sudden, you're like, oh, yeah, that's right, right. Yeah, yeah. This is a war. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, just the mix of darkness and light in the movie was so great. I mean, you got one second with Rebel Wilson talking about the propagation poster, and the next second, a bunch of folks hanging. Uh-huh. Rebel Wilson's character is great. And, yes. And it, oh, oh, she's <laughs> like every single thing she says is just a quotable. Um, <laughs> <laughs> great time My to be uncle? a woman. <laughs> the Aryans are 1,000 times more advanced and civilized than any other race. Now get your things together, kids. It's time to burn some books. <laughs> Oh, what timing, too. Uh, um, and so, so did the movie live up to your expectations when you finally saw it? Oh, yes, absolutely. I, I enjoyed every minute of it, and it was all pretty much done as well as I could possibly have hoped. Um, you know, and, and I think you get that when you've got the person writing it and directing it and acting in it. Like, he knows what he's doing. Um, he's, he, yeah. Uh, there's, there's few people that I would give control of everything mm-hmm. taika watiti is one of the few people i'm like let him direct write and produce yes. he's got it yes absolutely you touched on it nick the the comedy and the seriousness i i really i don't know if i've expressed this but most holocaust movies <laughs> i find to be really bad oh no and the reason is not because they're sensitive it's because i want to say this delicately I find that a lot of those movies tend to go the sad porn realm mm-hmm. where they just are trying to manipulate your emotions so that you actually aren't engaging with the nuance of not that, not that the Holocaust is nuanced in, in its, its morality, but the nuance of the way that these people are feeling and the horror. And it's just, it's just beating you over the head. What I think this movie does so well is by making it a comedy where you're slammed in the face over and over with these serious concepts, you relate to the characters on all sides, and you start to feel that transformation they undergo as they undergo it. And I think satire is so much better at that. Not, not even satire. Is the comedy is so much better at, at capturing those moments. Mm-hmm. For sure. And I th- what, what, what are you guys thought? I was gonna say, like, I think that one thing the movie does exceptionally well that I didn't really pick up on until we got to the pool sequence was um, everyone is essentially portraying a child, or at least it's not, because a lot of the movie is JoJo's perspective, right? We only have a couple scenes where we actually cut away to just like Scarlett and the girl. Um, But there is a moment in the pool scene when they're all kind of like hanging out and talking by the bench. Everyone is playing like a child. Everyone is, from the way that um, you have, Rebel Wilson's character, I think it was Ralm, what was her name? The way that she kind of scooted over on the bench, like, I heard this about the Russians. And then you have, like, her and Kleisendorf (laughs) and Theon Greyjoy. Everyone is essentially acting like a child. I know his name is not Theon Greyjoy, but that's just, I I mean, Alfie can't be anything else to me. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't put together that's who that was. Yeah. 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 So I think that, that the whole child perspective of it just really helped sell, like, those parts that you wouldn't otherwise see in, like you said, in a movie like this, because generally the Holocaust movies are all in or around the camps. I'm thinking like Boy in the Striped Pajamas or even Schindler's List, and there, and there are dozens of other ones. But um, I've not seen Schindler's List. I'm deeply ashamed. But Boy in the Striped Pajamas is kind of what I'm thinking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. These movies where they just try to beat you over the head with sadness, mm-hmm. and it is sad, but it almost seems manipulative to me. Instead of actually making you engage 
I think this movie, as well as any movie I've ever seen, makes you engage with the Germans and how easy it is to commit these evil atrocities. I think that's precisely it. I think um, in getting you to, uh, well, in looking at the whole thing through the protagonist's eyes, the protagonist being, as far as he can be, a, uh, a diehard Nazi, um, you, you really get to see the sense, you know, all of the uh, uh, kind of societal programming he's gone through, you know, everyone uh, chanting, kill, 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 giving him the rabbit, trying to uh, uh, get him into this club. Mm -hmm. um, like, the entire society is running that way to the extent that, you know, his mother is even afraid of him. Um, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And what, uh, what was Elsa's line? You're not a Nazi, Jojo. You're just a 10-year-old boy who likes dressing up in a funny uniform and wants, and to, be wants to be in a club. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And I, I was watching... Um, because as soon as I finished watching this, I like immediately deep dove into Taika Waititi, and I only paused Search of the World or People to like come do this. <laughs> um, but that's a great movie. That's a great movie. I'm really enjoying it so far. Um, he mentioned in an interview, I think, or maybe it was a TED Talk, that he said that he likes the perspective of outsiders and just what that whole outsider looking in thing is. And you and you put it very well, Matt, with the club sequence, or not the club sequence, the the camp sequence when they're all chanting and telling him to kill the rabbit, and then of course he doesn't. And that's where his nickname comes from. Um, but. I've lost my train of thought, and that's totally fine. <laughs> just, <laughs> I just I got so engrossed with those sequences because they made he made everything about it seem like just how it probably was in the sense that it was a fun it was it was more of a fun thing kind of in the way like a Boy Scout camp would be or just any kind of summer camp would be like he played on all of those typical tropes of like the kid in summer camp and then he took them all and just you know not seated it up a little but mm -hmm. yeah yeah I mean it's so mundane in a lot of ways it's. Yeah, oh, it it's, absolutely sent me back to my days in Boy Scouts, you know, watching those scenes. It's like, you know, obviously we weren't, like, wringing rabbits' necks and stuff, but <laughs> we were doing all sorts of uh, similar-ish activities and wearing similar uniforms and uh, kind of learning to be part of a creed. I don't think they're a radical organization like the Nazis. No, no. But, <laughs> but no, it was, it was, it was, uh, it was nostalgic. Mm -hmm. I don't think there are a lot of movies that give you the perspective of your average citizenry in Nazi Germany far away from the front and where life is just kind of going on like normal. And yes, it's affecting all of them. And I, I really liked this movie the first time I saw it. I liked it dramatically more the second time. Mm -hmm. Not that I disliked any part of it the first time, but man, it's just such a rich movie. Mm -hmm. It's, it's true. I, there's so much to talk about. I think it says so much about humanity. I feel like it has applications to our modern time very clearly. The, this, uh, it, I'm so glad you made me watch this. Movie. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted more Yorkie at the end of the day. All I wanted oh, was right. more Yorkie. <laughs> more Yorkie. Yes, that moment with the rocket launcher was just precious. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! <laughs> the disappointment. Oh. <laughs> Uh, and him hugging uh, Jojo when he's the robot. Oh, yes. Yeah. I'm trying to think of all the... Like, Yorkie had so many notable lines. Mm -hmm. um, especially when the end, like, he needs a cuddle from his mom. I need a so cuddle. His mom. Yeah. Yeah. It's adorable. I relate. Mm. We, let's work through the movie a little bit more. So sure. you're So we're... Jojo Rabbit, we, we throw the grenade. Um, Sam Rockwell. We got to talk oh, about Sam, Sam Rockwell. Rockwell. Maybe my favorite character in the movie. Mm-hmm. Has he ever picked a bad film? 
I don't know if he has it. I haven't seen. I haven't seen it. Seriously, I mean, I think. I mean, the only one I can think of that comes to mind that I may not have, probably would not have enjoyed is choke. But um, Moon, of course, is amazing. Mm-hmm. A lot of the ones mm-hmm. in the early two thousands are amazing. Um, the way way back, which wasn't too long ago, that was also excellent. Just. And when as soon as like he popped on the screen and I wasn't expecting him to be in the movie, I was like, okay, we're in for a good time. Here. <laughs> <laughs> What's this gonna be? Uh, yeah. His character is so nuanced, mm-hmm. and I love mm-hmm. it so freaking much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's there's a lot there's a lot to his character. Um, he's uh, obviously he's a, a high, a, or, or at least was a relatively high official in the German army till he was injured and he was relegated to running a Boy Scout camp and. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then further demoted after the uh, grenade incident. Yes, um, I yeah yeah. Uh, he's he's, and again, as much as he seems to love Germany, uh, he's also an outsider. He's the sort of person you know. He's got he and uh, Alfie Allen certainly have a, a thing going on there. A thing going on, which right? It's not something the Nazis look well on. Sure. Oh, the but uniform the he did designs. That too. Yes. <laughs> oh. It's kind of very and all the pink, the cape, and everything. Mm-hmm. I think he had makeup on. Is that right? I think so. He had eyeshadow at least. Yep, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Which reminds I, me. Um, well, so at the point, so he, you know, the explosion goes off. His face gets uglified, and his walk is a little bit unsteady. So he's mm-hmm. not going to go to the front lines. But everybody is terrified of his mother, Rosie, played by Scarlett Johansson. Mm-hmm. Um, I may have missed this. Does anyone know what? like her job was that made everyone so terrified or for was she just an overprotective mom? I think she was mostly an overprotective job, uh, uh, mother. As far as her job, I don't remember them specifically saying, um, she just strikes me as an alpha character and a bunch of people who are betas. Yeah. Nervous around her, you know, yeah. basically I think it was just, she had a forceful personality and she did. She had a amazingly forceful personality, which she tried to use to, exude joy most of the time even though again like i said she was afraid of her son um yeah and and you know working in the background uh, against the war effort like she could uh, she could be taken out at any moment and she's still like uh, larger than life mm-hmm. and her shoes her shoes her shoes would show up what the first time at the injury pool mm-hmm. uh and, that's and dancing and uh, dancing and then of course the butterfly moment not dancing uh, I, well, well speaking of dancing she does uh have a pivotal line that really is the end cap of the movie when her and jojo are talking forth about the Fuhrer and what has got to happen when they win and things like that and she says we have to dance to show god we are grateful to be alive and jojo goes well i won't dance dancing is for people who don't have a job and rosie says dancing is for people who are free <laughs> it's an escape from all this and that was not to jump to the ending but that was the perfect little button at the end of the movie mm-hmm. is like when they do dance because like they are free and it is an escape from the life that they were in mm-hmm. so just an absolutely wonderful character, a strong mother, and a total gut punch. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So from so from there, uh, we discover Elsa in, I don't know, uh, the yes. cupboard, the wall? It's the cupboard. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a cupboard. It's in the wall of JoJo's deceased sister's room. That's um, what it is, yeah. Yeah. Do we know how his sister died? I don't think we're ever told uh, exactly influenza. how. Influenza. Oh, was it influenza? Influenza, okay. Yeah. Okay. Thank God we have a vaccine for that now. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm uh. not taking it. Um, <laughs> and I don't know if it was right when he first meets her, but that line where she's like, you know what I am, say it. And he goes, a Jew. And she goes, Gesundheit. Yes. Every possible <laughs> the, chance to squeeze in a joke. Yeah. They just went for it with this film. Well, the very first moment he he finds her, they play her off. They do this sort of horror trope. She's like the girl in the ring coming out, coming at him. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. down the stairs. My kids got freaked out of that scene. Yeah. The uncomfortably long arm on the, <laughs> <laughs> the stairway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but then, yeah, he falls down the stairs. She corners him, and a Jew, Gesundheit. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, of course, like, and her character is obviously like. It, it's a little hard to tell how well she knows him at that point. Um, you mm-hmm. know, she has a talk with Scarlett Johansson later about uh, how uh, uh, indoctrinated Jojo is. But, like, you can tell she's got to be kind of scared at being discovered. And she's got a plan to uh, kind of corner him into a stalemate to keep him from uh, from exposing her. Even, even exposing her to uh, Jojo's mom, who obviously is the one who has kept her there. So w- what does she say? Like, um, if I, uh, if you tell the, uh, if you tell the Germans about me, I'll tell them you helped me and we'll all be kaput. But if you tell your mother, then I'll, was that the one? I'll cut your Nazi head off. Yeah. yeah, yeah I don't yeah, want yeah. that to happen to me either. Yeah. <laughs> don't want that either. So we have a Mexican stalemate here. It's just a regular just stalemate. A stalemate. <laughs> <laughs> That was one thing, too, is, like, there were so many lines in the film that were very, you know, 21st century, as it were. Like, some of the slang and, mm-hmm. um, I don't know if Mexican, would Mexican standoff have been used in 1945? Maybe, I suppose. Well, I it's, a trans- Western it's a translation from the German, so you can update the lingo if you want. I mean, sure. uh, you would assume that all the characters are really speaking German. Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's for sure. Because especially because when they finally do look at inside of the book, when the Gestapo shows up, am I saying that right? Mm-hmm. Um, they have the um, they look into the pages, and it's all clearly written in, in German. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. it. Yeah, that's the book. Mm-hmm. That kid. Yuhu-chi. That kid's a great artist. I want him to make every comic book <laughs> yes. ever. Yes. Um, well, that was also kind of a gut punch scene when they were looking through the book, and you see all the terrible scene. things he wrote about uh, her dead fiance but it's also really sweet too don't you think uh-huh uh-huh because he's doing it out of jealousy clear. he doesn't like her because he's jealous yes, right? those letters oh my mm-hmm. gosh i was dying <laughs> every time he would read her a letter that quote nathan wrote unquote uh-huh. <laughs> Just, i had to rewind it three times when they were talking about she was talking about love and holding someone in your arms and thing and nothing else and the music had this great swell and he goes ridiculous and the music stops immediately like i was rolling <laughs> on the floor laughing i uh i i think that that scene where the gustavo comes and rifles through her house is oh gosh in a comedy, I don't know a comedy movie that has such yeah. a tense scene. I mean, mm-hmm. I've seen like every every World War II, every Nazi Germany movie has that scene basically, and they're always so intense yeah. and difficult to watch. And this was no different, but still, it kind of turns it on its head uh-huh. at the same time too. Yeah, yeah it wasn't yeah. just about her constantly hiding in different spots and Jojo trying to distract them so they would look away and she'd run some other part of the room. No, she flat just walks out there and mm-hmm. claims to be the sister. That. Uh-huh. What are and you just doing that moment in my alone. house? Yeah, just that. M- and but Sam Rockwell's character too. Mm-hmm. When he protects her, 
Who you with don't, the yeah, papers? you don't really know. Well, see, I think you don't know that he's on their side until then, but you also kind of have to wonder what he's doing when he shows up at the house at all. I think that's probably like the mm. way he like he obviously wasn't expected. Uh, mm. I think they. It seems like he knew that something was going. He down. knew that something was going down, and he also knew that he had to get in there to help. Because there's no right. other reason. Because if he was just you know going by and he saw that the Gestapo was there, like okay, whatever. They they visit people. Who cares? But he knew that he must have known that uh, Rosie had been uh, hiding a Jewish girl up there. Every time uh, Jojo brings up the Jewish people, he seems dismissive. Like, ah, I don't believe that's mm-hmm. true. And I mean, I can't imagine. And, mm-hmm. and then, you've, oh, of course, you've got Rebel Wilson sliding over to correct him. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Well, I think because... That moment... Yeah, go ahead. No, I, it's just, that moment when, when he's holding the papers and what, I can't remember the comedian's name, walks by and says, one more thing. And he closes <laughs> his eyes and hands it to him. Yes. It's, to me, there's that moment where you realize that even this guy's realizing he's probably going to die now. Yeah, Stephen Merchant. Stephen Merchant, mm-hmm. thank you. Um, who, by the way, is six foot seven, and Sam is five foot nine. So <laughs> when they did that kind of lurch sequence, <laughs> yes. I, I actually had to look up their heights. I was just like, wait a minute, he can't be that tall. And no, he's definitely that he's, tall. He's tall. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that whole sequence. I mean, I, I think that's probably like my favorite scene, at least of the year so far. Just in the way that it was done, it wasn't. The stereotypical, like, trying to hide scene, it was just done in such a very unique and interesting way. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. Gives me, it gives me pause uh, watching the movie again when we get to that scene also. And, you know, they're talking about when his mom gets home and everything. We've already, by the time we get to that point, we've already seen the last of his mother alive. Uh, right. The last thing he sees of her is through his robot suit. Uh, on the street, that's right. Um, he sees her mm. drop off a uh, some free Germany pop propaganda, and walk into a house, and we never see her again. Yeah, she. I mean, she said that it was almost set up really early on. The first time they see people hanging is what were they doing? And I think she said their best, what they could, what they could. That's what it that's, was. That's that's yeah. the line yeah. that's repeated a few times. What they could. Mm-hmm. So in hindsight, it's like she was. We could tell the whole time, looking back on it, that, oh, she was on her way. But nonetheless, biggest gut punch in the movie for me, mm-hmm. for sure. I'm just glad Yorkie made it out okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, yes. Yeah, I would have forgiven them killing Yorkie. Uh, <laughs> what did Yorkie say? I this... can't die? It's like I can't die. <laughs> it's like I can't die. He's <laughs> <was> almost disappointed. <laughs> right? Oh. oh. I, I caught in this one. Maybe I'm wrong, but did they subtly imply that his dad was French? Uh, he, I don't think his dad was French. He was in France. It seems like, but it seems like when well, maybe. she rubs her face that she's using a French accent to talk as that his dad. That could be. Oh. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't pick up on that. So I'm wondering if he, you know, left to go fight in the French resistance or something is, which I, I, I'm not sure if that's what they're implying or if I'm reading into it. Maybe. Uh, yeah. No, it's definitely strongly implied that he's fighting for, He's he's resisting against Germany, but he's been missing. Right. Uh, I don't know. I think it's a little bit mysterious, but and and one another reason why I love it. But mm-hmm. uh, the ending when we finally get to the point where the Americans are storming the town and he's running around, and I every part of that 
Sorry, am I jumping ahead? I don't. No, no, keep, you're, you're keep just, going. Man. Keep <laughs> going. <laughs> I I Go find that. Yeah. <laughs> well, that moment where he's it, it's it builds on itself so much. The fact that that he's not sure what's happening. He knows what's happening is terrible, and he doesn't want it to have happened. I mean, people are dying almost casually. Main characters are dying around him. Rebel Wilson's like, yep, everything's <laughs> great. Here's a gun. Kid, go hug this person oh. after pulling grenades on him. And uh. walks around a corner. There's an explosion. She's gone. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> Sam Rockwell appearing in his costume. Good. That, yeah. to me, that that that's the best shot of that year. That was glorious. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> the wink. Oh, that's um, right, the but wink. when Sam Rockwell saves him. Uh, yeah. Just, it's such a great moment that and and the the fact that he saves the saves him by pretending that he hates him because he's jewish is such a dichotomy flip uh-huh. and and it, and it also it's like screams to jojo oh this thing is over right the person i'm hiding in my house is now more safe than than i am uh-huh. mm-hmm. um and not only, I, I just I love and it. And of course, now he's terrified of losing her. Yes, yeah. that's exactly what I was going to say. That. Like going back and saying that we won. <laughs> you can't. Right. You right. can't leave me. Mm-hmm. When she slaps him, <laughs> I probably deserve. <laughs> probably deserve the understatement of the year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then they dance. Mm-hmm. And then they because dance. Very sixties, seventies dancing, and I just I ah. Uh. Yeah, man. So good. So very, very good. Uh-huh. So very, very good. Well, any, anything else, Matt? Like, did you have a favorite moment in the entire film or a oh, favorite gosh. sequence? Oh, so many. I think with the first time I saw it, I think I laughed out loud the most uh, The with, with the scene just when everybody is hiling each other um, at the <laughs> beginning of the inspection. Um, That's right. Yeah, we talked a little bit about it already, but you know, you had the four inspectors. Every single one of them hiled JoJo. JoJo had to hile each one of them. Then Sam Rockwell and Finkel come in, and <laughs> each of them hile everybody again. And then, then when separately, separately, right? and then when uh, when they find Elsa in the house, uh, she has to hile everybody. And of course, you have that moment—the very, very, very first time, you know, uh, the inspectors like hile Hitler, and she just has to. You know, there's this pause, and she's just like, okay, yeah. now I've got a, a Heil Hitler. <laughs> and yeah. then do it again times. and again and again. Like, how hard must that have been? Yeah. yeah. And then when Captain Cle- uh, Klensendorf has to, when he catches, asks what's going on, we were just Heil Hitlering the boy, and then Heil Hitlering I yourself, and then of course Heil Hitlering Freddie Finkel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, Brendan, you, favorite moment? Um,. Oh, Sam Rockwell at the end. I, I from from when he shows up in his costume to when he saves Jojo. He's look, I th- I think what's the actor who plays Jojo? He carries the movie. He's brilliant. He should be in everything. But I think it's his I, first I really movie. like Roman. I, is it, I think it Roman? Yeah, that sounds familiar. I looked him up on IMDb. This is his only movie Roman credit. Roman Griffin Davis. And he's doing he's in something else that hasn't come out yet. He's brilliant. But I, I just, I love the nuance of Sam Rockwell's character. I love all the little details. The, 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 the you can, you can see his mind working. You could see that he's a proud German, but he's not on board with all this propaganda. You could see 
all the conflict in him, and yet he's hysterical from the first time he shows up on screen to the last time he leaves it, and I love it. Mm-hmm. Oh, and one more little moment uh, at the end of the movie after uh, JoJo is living uh, with Elsa and the mom's already dead and everything, he's rummaging for scraps in the garbage can and mm. like eating what he can. And then uh, Hitler is eating a barbecued <laughs> <Right>. unicorn head. <laughs> yes. <laughs> The three, we've really barely talked about Taika Waititi as Hitler. Really? We have. What a strange role to pick. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, he was a little obsessed with uh, Adolf. If you watch his TED Talk from 2010, I believe, he talks of like he got, he tends to get massively obsessed with things, just random things. And one of the things that he talked uh-huh. about was drawing swastikas on everything. And then he had to cover up the swastikas by drawing windows on houses. Like he would complete the swastika so it looked like a square and then he would draw a house around it. Um, and then he just got massively obsessed with Hitler. So I think for him, it was his own personal catharsis. It's a character study. Yeah, mm. exactly. And again, treat him, in my opinion, like Bugs Bunny the entire way through the movie. Sure. Um, I was just giving you a bed full womb for you because that's what friends do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and there were several moments where you could just hear like his New, New Zealand accent pop out. And oh my God. He does such a good job. I. And, and I love that he, he plays it too. The, like you say, that cartoon character, it really strikes you as this is Adolf, but it's Adolf from the perspective of a 10 year old. Yes. I, Absolutely. I, I think, I mean, I think this movie as well as any movie ever has spoke, says something really powerful about the way propaganda works in all of our lives, not just in sure. Nazi Germany. Yeah. And I, I love the fact that he portrayed Hitler in such a goofy way that robs him of his power, but yet doesn't diminish the weight of the story. Mm-hmm. I uh, I spent a long time thinking about there's uh, this idea that you can have reasons to hate people, and if they were true, they might even be good reasons to hate people. But if they're false, you're still hating people for no reason. Right? And like all the things he's filling out the book about Jews being demons controlling our brains and hypnotizing us. And if there's a group of people actively doing that, that's alarming. Yeah. But if that's a lie, then you're still just hating people. Mm-hmm. And I think each and every one of us can fall into that trap if we're not careful. Mm-hmm. You have enough people you around that. you believing one thing and you're likely to believe it too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And of course, for me, my favorite moment was when Hitler does get drop kicked out of the window. It was comically, <laughs> a comically insane drop kick out of the window. And what a great use of your one PG thirteen f bomb. Uh-huh. That's right, absolutely. <laughs> um, I also have to give shout outs to the uh, the German version of "I Want to Hold Your Hand" mm-hmm. in the very beginning. Too. Uh-huh. Just I speak just a little bit of German. I was just really enjoying that aspect of the movie. <laughs> So, so I, I, let, let me explain to you how I showed my children this movie. <laughs> um, we decided we wanted to watch it as a family to stimulate some good conversation. I thought it would be good. I thought it would be a good way. But then we, we, so we started it and realized that they have no idea what World War II is. This is meaning mm-hmm. nothing to them. And they think Hitler is just this funny character. So we had to do some back. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> so, well, no, we watched, we watched a video on YouTube. It was about 10 minutes long. We spent about 30 minutes pausing and explaining World War II as borders are moving and Hitler rise to power. And the, We skipped as much of the Pacific theater as we could to keep it streamlined. Mm-hmm. But the, Normandy, and they asked, what was Normandy? So, 
No, this is where we exp- you you get an insight into my parenting. We then decided to explain to them what the fall of Normandy was, and we couldn't think any better way of doing it than to show our three through seven year old the opening scene of Saving Private Ryan. So we did that. Oh, no, you didn't. Oh, <laughs> okay. Dude, you we gave just, them. F- dude, there's a Charlie am, Brown movie where they explain it without nope. that. <laughs> I'm quite proud of the fact that we did that. I, I strongly think that it's important mm-hmm. to see the horrors of war. I think our I think kids are tougher than we give them credit. Mm-hmm. I love that. Do you, well, either of you ever read Tolkien's on? Uh, he gives an essay on what fairies tale on fairies. Well, G.K. Chesterton has the one where the line where he says like, you know, children should know that. Dragons do exist, but they should also know that they can be defeated. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh-huh. Right, we tell we tell them fairy stories not to teach them the dragons exist. They all know the dragons exist. We teach them to show them they can be defeated. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I, I don't, I don't want to. I, I my kids are going to be watching R-rated movies far before most families are. <laughs> yeah. Selective ones, like I said, they they watched a lot of people die yesterday, two days ago, when we watched the movie. But we had a really good conversations, really interesting conversations, and I they, I think they understood the satirical element of Hitler throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. We had to pause a lot and have conversations throughout it so they understood, but it, it went really well. And here's one walking in and interrupting our podcast now. <laughs> Wonderful. Hi, Carol. Hi, Carol. Hi. Daddy's in a meeting. <laughs> shoo, shoo. <laughs> you know, it, at the end of the day, Brennan, it's just important that they had fun, mm-hmm. you know? That's all that matters that they had fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was tough, but but they did good. Yeah. They did good. So now I'm just sharing with our audience my child abuse mm-hmm. that I inflicted upon my kids by making them watch war movies. Lord. But I, I, I think it was I, I think it was valuable. I'm actually really grateful that you suggested this both so that I could watch it, but also to have this tough conversation with my kids because that's a great way to start that conversation. Mm-hmm. I think they had a lot of really good questions and a lot of good insight on it. Yeah, and I've thought about you know sharing this movie with my nephews and nieces, uh, but I had that exact thought like I don't know how much they know about World War II at all, so how much of this would just mm-hmm. completely go over their head. Because you don't want to make Adolf a fun character. No, <laughs> at least not without context. Yeah. But and that's that's how we introduce the movie, mm-hmm. is that what do you watch this movie and all these funny things are happening and life is normal and calm, just know that millions of people are dying a couple hundred miles on either side mm-hmm. of them. And it gave them context, and I think they, yeah, they really enjoyed it and also learned a lot. So mm-hmm. it was really good. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Any closing thoughts, Matt? Hmm. Uh, have you gushed? I I I think I've gushed. Uh, I I have a lot of notes, but I think we've touched on just about everything. Um, it's just one of my favorite movies of all time, and it's only a few years old. I think it's. I think I'm gonna yeah. love it for many years to come. It's excellent. Yeah, excellent. I think we're all gonna love it for many years to come. Now, pick a number between one and five hundred and sixty-four. Oh boy. Um, Ooh. 312. Oh, excellent. Right. Oh, a deep cut. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a deep cut. Uh, just like, well, you know what wasn't a very deep cut was uh, when he stabs her. That was not a deep oh. cut at all. <laughs> no, thank goodness. <laughs> when? when? Right when after he, he discovers he his knife. mother. Yeah. And he, he stabs Elsa. Well, again, one of the most powerful scenes. He, he discovers his mother. He breaks into the house in tears. Uh, Elsa's just, you know, reading her, reading a book or something, and he just walks up to her and just 
pulls up the knife and stabs her in the shoulder. You know, it's not mm. like it's the opposite shoulder of her heart and it goes in like half an inch, just like a little bit. But, you know, the injury is much more about the emotional than the physical. Like he's a he's a 10 year old sure. boy. He doesn't have a whole lot of power there, but absolutely. And then he uh, just collapses. Sorry. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, no, I, I'm, I'm actually glad that that came up that very interesting way. Uh, 312 is Jiri Arnstein, who worked on this so movie. J. J I R I? Maybe it's Yiri? Uh, wow, what a name. Construction manager. Dimmer operator is what I have it. No, I'm on a g- different Jiri then. Interesting. Yeah, There's there ten are 10 Jiris in this movie. <laughs> What's the last name? Arnstein. I'm going to. Arnstein. There he is, Dimmer operator. That's right. I'm look up here as well. I'm going to guess he's German. Oh, my gosh. This is... Or not. Well, so when I Googled that name, the first thing that popped up was database of victims of the Holocaust. Oh, my gosh. Um, He was on G.I. Joe, starring... um, Lots of people. What's his name? Lots of, lots of, yeah, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. That's right. Oh, The Last Nights. I actually wanted to see that because that trailer looks super cool. Serena, a lot of foreign films. Yeah. Electrician, dimmer operator. What does a dimmer operator do? Let's find out. Dimmer operator. If it comes back with one who dims the operations, like I'll lose my. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Uh, dimmer, dimmers are devices connected to a light fixture and used to lower the brightness uh-huh. of light. The operator oh, brought up a now fader. The dimmer would dim slowly at first, then quickly in the middle and slowly on the top. Um. So he's like adjusting lighting that is changing during the scenes then, or? Yeah, and it looks like dimmers can also do board operations as well, um, which when you're okay. working with the, the board, if you're in a truck, then you can actually dim things as they are. Um, wow, there are a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of interesting Google articles shouting at me what a dimmer, here we go. A job as dimmer board operator falls under the broader ca- career category of media and communication equipment workers. Uh, that is not helpful at all, but they make about 76 grand a year, so that's great. Hey, hey, that ain't nothing. That's good. Yeah, well, well, Jerry Arnstein, if you somehow hear this, uh, thank you for your work in this movie because uh, without you in it, would not be the same at mm-hmm. all. And, you know, I'm going to just go ahead. He, it looks like he's probably young considering he hasn't worked for the, too terribly long. I'm going to thank you in advance for all the work you're going to do because mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Absolutely. All right, Matt. Next question. One through three, please. Um, one. One. <laughs> Matt, I would like you to say something very nice about the movie. Something nice. Have we done this one already? Something nice about the movie Twilight. Oh, <gasps> good heavens. I was, I was, have we done Twilight before? I don't know. I mean, it was on my list. It was on your list. We're gonna, but but no, it doesn't matter. I want to hear something nice about Twilight. I was, I What's was, your favorite part about Twilight? I was tricked into seeing this movie before I knew what it was. But um, it had something nice. Um, Very nice. I appreciated how it was filmed kind of near my hometown i think it was filmed in seattle or something like that is that right um so i i like the part of the world i appreciated i really liked all the scenery it was just beautiful outdoors Mm. green yeah they picked a a, some really lush green 
outdoor spots um, that really felt like I would love to hang out in. <laughs> I, I will add, having not seen the movie, that I have really appreciated all the just hysterical commentary it has generated on YouTube. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it has been invaluable for that. I mean, I've... And just... Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I, who have seen the movie probably 15 times now, no joke, um, I genuinely value the soundtrack. Um, one of my favorite bands, Mute Math, um, their main song, Spotlight, came from that movie. Um, Radiohead, of all bands, is in the soundtrack. Um, We're it is a, a really... Yeah, they, they have the closing song. I think it's um, 15 Steps, I think, is the closing song in that movie, um, but the soundtrack with like bands on it, and Muse is on it too. Muse is well. on it too, that's about all I remembered. I did remember the Muse was on there and I think I remembered liking the music, but I didn't remember anything besides Muse. Yeah, well I, that's, what I, that's what my nice thing would have been for Twilight is this, I genuinely mm -hmm. really like the soundtrack. The bands that they got for it, man, it reminds me of what Michael Caine said about being in Jaws 3, which was, uh, you know, I think he said, somebody said, like, Have, did you see the movie? And he said, I see the house that I bought. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, that's uh, excellent. That, that's, that's a very nice thing to say. I, I also want to point out, and I'm pretty confident in this, that Matt is also the second person we've had on this podcast who has listed the 1970s Willy Wonka as one of his least oh, favorite movies. Oh, who else oh did gosh. that? Kyle? <laughs> uh, I can't remember. My cousin Joe. Who else did it? Yeah, Joe. Uh, right, right. Yeah. Yep. yeah that is, actually, that movie scarred me. Yeah, as a child, that movie scarred well, that, me. I mean, and that's what he there's said some too. scary stuff in that movie. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, yeah. At the end of the episode, we always like to just kind of catch up on what everybody's consuming media-wise. Mm. Matt, what are you reading, watching, playing, hacky-sacking? Oh, yeah. Well, I just hacky sacking? Hacky-sacking? Yeah. <laughs> you never just get media and hacky-sack it? No, I should learn how to do that. It's like I've got plenty of time these days, so. <laughs> I feel like I don't know a movie until I've hacky-sacked the disc. My favorite between uh, two ferns joke ever will be with uh, when Zach Galifianakis interviewed Matthew McConaughey. And he says something like, do you ever get sad about all the sacks that aren't being hackied? Something like that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'll send that to you guys after this. Oh, oh. so freaking fun. And Matthew That's McConaughey wonderful. just lost it. Anyway, sorry. Matt, movies, so, music, podcasts, anything. What are you consuming these days? Books, yeah, yeah. games. Um, I just started trying to watch. Uh, I had started it before and never got very far into it. The Expanse. Um, I'm trying to give that a mm. good shot. I've heard very good things, and it's pretty good so far. Right good, on. good. We'll um, have to talk about it. I read the first book. Same. Uh, yeah. I was not a fan. Yeah. It is on Amazon Prime, so yeah. Okay. Um, and I just started playing Horizon Zero Dawn. Dude, nice. what do you think? I need to do that one. So far, very nice. I'm not very far into it yet, but it's uh, very satisfying to smash those robot dinosaurs. And I was uh, just talking about this with our, our first podcast guest who's hmm. been playing that recently. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I saw that trailer and I was definitely like, I gotta play this someday. Mm -hmm. It's like ten bucks these days. I need to pick. Yeah, it up. it's not expensive. Excellent. You've awesome. got your PlayStation. Awesome. Yeah, it plays very, very much like a Assassin's Creed or a uh, uh, Uncharted sort of. Oh, Grace. Uncharted. You're speaking my love language, man. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, Brendan, what about you? Um, so we've been watching a bunch of stuff. We, we've like we've had HBO Go for. Uh, 
HBO Max, HBO. What we have the HBO that is new for a couple months now. <laughs> um, keeping it around to watch Justice League out of morbid curiosity, and then probably get rid of it. So we're cramming everything on there. Um, we started a bunch of documentaries. We did, did the Woody Allen documentary because we wanted to feel sad about life. Um, we started. Uh, I can never say his Gendry Tarantovsky. Tarantovsky. Agendi Tarantovsky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Samurai Jack. We started Primal. Have you guys seen Primal? We talked about it before a couple episodes ago, uh, but back then you hadn't seen it. What do you think? It's so freaking good, man. Oh. It's completely silent. It's it's dialogue free. The the sound mixing. I don't want to say sound because the sound mixing is brilliant. The music is powerful. The whole thing is haunting and spectacular, and it is not for kids. It is a full R-rated caveman samurai Jack adjacent brilliance that I can't recommend more. It's six episodes. We're halfway through it and loving every minute of it. Excellent. Um, so we did that. Started Great North on Hulu just because we're mm. big Bob's Burgers fans. <laughs> yeah, same here. <laughs> How is that? I've done That's a bunch good. of commercials for I'm it. I'm enjoying it. Okay, good. Yeah, it's, it's all right. It. Like, like it, it hasn't like stuck to me as hard as Bob's Burgers has yet, but it's only yep. been a few episodes, and I see some potential there. The characters are still being defined, I feel like. Yeah. And what, the thing is about Bob's Burgers is they hit the gate running in a way that almost no show could ever yeah. hope to replicate. Yeah, um, I think at this point, I think I don't think Bob's Burgers hits the highs, the 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 comedy highs of The Simpsons. But I think we can say safely that we have more seasons of excellent Bob's Burgers than we have more than The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. I, I, I I really like that show. I think so. Excellent. Um, and then we I've never seen it, but we sat down and watched True Lies a couple nights ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really, really freaking enjoyed that movie. What a bizarre, absurd movie. I, I've i never in, uh, been so happy to see a romantic reunion kissing in front of a nuclear explosion. <laughs> uh, it, it, have you guys seen this movie? Oh, yeah, yes. I haven't. It, it's good, Matt. You would enjoy it. It's on Amazon Prime. All right, I'll check that out. Yeah. Excellent. How about you, Nick? What are you consuming these days? Well, let's see. Um, I needed something good in my life after throwing out my back, so I had my wife watch every single episode of the IT crowd with me, hmm. which is Excellent. my favorite comedy of all time. <laughs> and I had to, I caught a reaction at the, the pivotal funny moment of season two, episode one, a gay musical called Gay, which was rather gay. Um, and that just <laughs> filled my heart with joy. I, I have shown that show to so many people. <laughs> that might be some of the best 22 minutes of television ever put before. Couldn't agree more. Work outing is just perfection from the first joke to the last joke. Mm -hmm. There are so many moments I had forgotten from the show. Uh, The magician named Michael, when he first appears on screen, you just burst (laughs) out laughing because he looks like David Blaine. Um, Mm. The hour-long movie that they wrapped it all up when. um, And so I had the previous episode, we talked a bit about this. I was really into a big fat, the big fat quiz, which British friends, how could you hide that from us Americans? That is so insanely (laughs) funny. Um, And often Richmond, um, whose real name is Noel, and um, Moss, who's Richard Iota, they would be on a team and just their answers to questions uh, about what happened the previous year were just so insanely funny. So Seeing them play off each other again was so fun. And uh, Chris O'Dowd, 
who needs more work because he's so funny. He's I mean, the D&D episode where Moss pretends to be his ex-girlfriend, I had to rewatch that like four times because I was laughing so hard. Uh, so I, so you actually reminded me there is something else we've been watching. and I, I, We talked about British shows a couple weeks ago. Yeah, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. And I, I had gone, uh, I can never say his name, Richard Ayoade? Ayo- Moss. Yeah, yeah. Just say Iota. His... I yeah his uh his his gadget man show on Britain and, and then I had a conversation with the coworker who's probably listening and I can't thank her enough for recommending uh Taskmaster Taskmaster Have you guys watched no. Taskmaster no okay Taskmaster it's so good we we I can't believe I forgot to mention it because we have watched more Taskmaster than just about any show this year um, it's a British show where they have a taskmaster who I can't remember his name and, and his, his, um, okay, let me start over. It's basically a show where a bunch of comedians over the course of like six months are given random, bizarre, absurd tasks to do. And then judged on it by another couple celebrities who just gauge their ability to do stupid shit. Like, paint a rainbow with the lights off or <laughs> make a stop motion film with 10 minutes of prep time. Or, uh, one of them was slot the furthest you have one hour. And that was the whole trick. And they, and so it's, it, the half the show is, is like, it's, it's like legalism. The show that the, the, the text didn't say what sliding define sliding. So I got the dictionary out to define sliding. And I decided that this is what sliding meant. And this is how I get, I slid. It's great. I, I couldn't rec- and then so they all come together six months later and they show various clips of them and they compete and yeah it's it's excellent <laughs> awesome man um, so yeah I did all the IT crowd uh, which was a a treat as it were and then um, I'm reading uh, this has been the theme of the season which is I'm still reading the two towers I have literally 35 pages to go I'm really enjoying it I'm really loving it I knew I would love it. Can't wait to return of the King next. I'm sure I'll be done with that before the next episode. <laughs> um, but really enjoying that. And then I think between those two things, I haven't been consuming much. Else. You know what? Mario Odyssey. Lots of Mario Odyssey, Mario 35. And I'm about to be Bioshock for the 50th time, I'm pretty sure. Just one of my nice. favorite games of all time. I just, I don't know. Sometimes, I don't know, so there's some games that just give you pause, and Bioshock is like one of those masterworks where when you're all done with it, you kind of look like um, that Pablo meme from Narcos where he's just like hands behind his back and he's just like looking out into the distance. Like, that's how I feel when I beat that game. So, mild spoiler for Bioshock, one of our our buddies from college, me and Nick, um, Tom, recommended I play it. And so I played through it, and I remember after college saying that I'm enjoying it, but I find it really frustrating because this game seems to imply I have a choice in the outcome of what I'm doing, but it's not ever giving me actual choice in the game. It seems <laughs> like I'm being lied to. And then an hour later, I got the twist, and it was mind-blowing. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, I just I, I want more. I want more. I know that Ken Levine's not on the project anymore, but I want more Bioshock. And I, I'm looking forward to 4. I saw that they were on my job boards, that they were hiring for the next Bioshock game, and so that tells me there's going to be a 4. And that's that. So that's what I'm enjoying. Awesome. All right. Well, I think that wraps it up for tonight. But I think before we go, we should kind of let people know our plans moving forward. Um, 
This is probably our last guest episode of this season. We're not going anywhere. We're just going to take a little pause after uh, next episode. We're going to do a little recap episode, take a pause, get some more guests on here, stock up some episodes, and be back in uh, a couple weeks later. Yeah, absolutely. We've had an amazing first season. Um, I think we're about to pass the 500 download mark on Podbean alone, and I know Spotify has its own little counter. So um, we're genuinely very thankful for all the fans that have been um, listening to the show, enjoying the show. I had a friend like send me an insanely long hangouts about how much he disagreed about <laughs> Seth's uh, interpretation of The Incredibles 2. Um, Amazing. Yeah, and so I'm just getting some extremely lovely uh, messages in my <laughs> inbox about our episodes and like, oh, I can't believe you guys agreed on this, blah, 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 blah. And just, you guys are awesome. Thank you guys for being fans and listening. And, and we aren't going anywhere. If anything, we're just going to take some time to reach out to some more people, some more guests, and... Uh, yeah, we're looking forward to another season coming up. Yeah, I don't think I've had this much fun working on any creative enterprise in, in a long freaking time. So like you said, we're not going anywhere. We're just going to get some more episodes stocked up, and we'll be back soon. Absolutely. But we'll be back next week. We'll do a little recap episode, just kind of catch up, and we'll go from there. Yeah. But thank you guys all. We really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, Matt, thank you for being on the season finale episode of <laughs> Cinema Gush. Not a problem. That was a lot of fun. Thanks, guys. Excellent, man. Right. Everyone have a great rest of your day, and we'll catch you in the next one. Bye-bye.